0: Welcome to Saturday Story Circle, always on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Adventurers, attention! <laughs> Fall in for Adventure Parade! <laughs> the Mutual Broadcasting System cordially invites all adventurers from 6 to 60 to join in its parade of the world's most famous stories stories of action, mystery, and adventure. <laughs> And here is your host and storyteller, the leader of Adventure Parade, Roger Elliott. Thank you, George Hogan, and hello, adventurers. This week, we're going to try something new on Adventure Parade. Instead of telling a story in five chapters, I'm going to tell you five individual stories by the same author. The late Ernest Thompson Seton, one of the founders of the Boy Scouts of America. As many of you know, this is Boy Scout Week. And Adventure Parade takes this way of observing the 37th birthday of the Boy Scouts of America. Wasn't Ernest Thomas uh, Thompson Seaton an officer in the Boy Scout organization, Roger? Yes, he was Chief Scout for the first five years, George. And as a matter of fact, he wrote the first Boy Scout manual. And I might add that even while he was helping the Boy Scout movement get started, Mr. Seaton was writing some of the wonderful adventure tales you're going to hear this week which are true, you know. Actual things that he observed and recorded as a naturalist. Well, they say truth is stranger than fiction. That's right, George. And I think our adventurers will agree when they hear today's story by Ernest Thompson Seaton. It's the story of a horse. And the title is Coley Bay, Outlaw. <laughs> Years ago in the Bitterroot Mountains of Idaho, there was a beautiful little foal. His coat was bright bay. His legs, mane, and tail were glossy black. Coal black and bright bay, so they named him Coley Bay. He loved to race like the wind. He gloried in his speed, his tireless legs. And when careering with a herd of colts, they met a fence or a ditch, it was as natural for Coley Bay to leap over it as it was for the others to sheer off. Even the kindly curb of the hay yard or stable was unwelcome, and Coley showed early that he would rather stand out all night in a driving storm than be locked in a comfortable stall without his liberty. He became very clever at dodging the horse wrangler, whose job it was to bring the horse herd to the corral, and each month he became more set on living free, more cunning in the means he took to win his way. When he was three years old, just in the perfection of his young strength and beauty, his real troubles began. For now, his owner undertook to break him to ride. He was as tricky and vicious as he was handsome. He snorted and dodged and screamed defiance in the terrible battle. But his owner was skillful. He knew how to apply his power so that all the wild plunging, bucking, rearing, and rolling of the wild one had no result. With all his strength, the young horse was mastered so that a good rider could use him. But each time the saddle went on, he made a new fight and screamed new defiance. was ridden each day, and not once did he buck. He had reformed. But the last day, he came home lame. So Coley Bay was turned out to pasture. Three days later, he seemed all right. He didn't walk the saddle, but within five minutes, he went lame as before. Again, he was turned out to pasture, and after a week, saddled, only to go lame again. His owner didn't know whether Coley Bay really had a lame leg or was only shamming, But he took the first chance to get rid of him. He sold him for $25. The new owner, a ranchman, felt that he had a bargain. But half a mile from his old home, Coley Bay went lame. and Once again, by a new master, he was turned out to pasture. Now, on one side of the pasture was the garden of a neighbor. Such a fine garden that the owner had put a six foot fence around it. Yet the very night after Coley Bay arrived, horses got into the garden and did great damage. Now, this went on for several nights, with the gardener furious and the ranchman claiming that none of his horses could have done the damage. Meanwhile, Coley Bay's lameness seemed worse instead of better. Then the ranchman's son saw him walking all right, so he caught him and tried to ride him. At the touch of the saddle, all his old wickedness returned to Coley Bay. He screamed defiance and threw the boy off at once. The ranchman leaped into the saddle and Coley Bay ran backwards for ten minutes, snorting wildly, and tried to scrape the man off against the post. He reared then and threw his rider, falling backwards himself. But before he could get up, the rancher was in the saddle again. He ran away, plunging and bucking, and then stopped short so that the rancher was flung forward. Coley Bay turned his head and seized the man's foot in his teeth, while the rider beat him off, frantically. There was no question now. It was clear that Coley Bay was an outlaw, an incurably vicious horse. The saddle was jerked off, and he was driven limping into the pasture. That same night, the raids on the neighboring garden began again, and the two men quarreled over it again. To prove the innocence of his horses, the ranchman asked that the gardener sit up with him and watch. That night, as the moon shone brightly, they saw not all the horses, but Coley Bay alone, walking straight up to the fence, leap over it, and proceed to gobble the finest things he could find. There was no trace of a limp about Coley Bay now. He walked leisurely about among the fine vegetables, choosing the best. As soon as the men were sure it was he, they ran forward. Holy Bay cleared the fence like a deer, lightly raced over the field to mix with the horse herd. And when they came near him, he had, oh, such an awful lip. The rancher threw his hat on the ground. That settles it. He's a beauty, but he's a fraud, too. Settles who took my garden truck, said the other. Well, I suppose so. The rancher was thoughtful. Look here, neighbor. You haven't lost more than ten dollars in vegetables, and that horse is worth a hundred easy. Give me 25, take the horse, and call it square. And thus the thing was settled. The rancher, being a horse trader, said nothing about Coley Bay being vicious as well as cunning. But the gardener soon found out the very first time he tried to ride him that the horse was as bad as he was beautiful. A few days later, a sign appeared on the gardener's gate. For sale, first class horse, sound and gentle. Price, $10. Now, it happened that a band of huntsmen came riding by. They were going to hunt bear, and they had guns and everything needed for bear hunting except bait. Now, you may know that it's usual to buy a worthless horse or cow, drive it into the mountains where the bears are, and kill it there. So, seeing the sign, the hunters called to the gardener, Haven't you got a cheaper horse? Look at him. Gardner pointed at Coley Bay. You won't find a cheaper horse for the money in a thousand miles. I will give you five dollars. The bear hunter offered, and the deal was closed. As they rode on, the hunters discussed the peculiarities of the outlaw horse. Coley Bay, as though to emphasize their conversation, limped dreadfully on the trail. Once he tried to go back, but he was easily turned by the man behind him. His limp grew worse until it was really painful to see him. That limp ain't no fake, the head guide remarked. I know horses, and that one's got some deep-seated trouble. Day after day, the hunters rode further into the mountains, driving the horses along, and Coley Bay went with the rest limping and tossing his head and his long, splendid mane at every step. The road grew harder as it rose, and a very bad bog had to be crossed one day. Several horses were mired in. As the men rushed to the rescue, Coley Bay saw his chance for escape. He wheeled in a moment and turned himself from a low-headed, limping, sorry, bad-eyed creature into a splendid, high-spirited horse. Head and tail shaking in the wind, he gave a joyous neigh and without a trace of lameness dashed for his home, threading each narrow trail with perfect certainty, though he had seen them only once before. In seconds, he had steamed away from their sight. They were furious, but one of the guides leaped on his horse. He knew the country, and two miles away, half a mile by a shortcut, was Panther Gap. The runaway must pass through Panther Gap. Coley Bay came thundering down the trail, skating to a wild turn as he saw the guide waiting. Tossing his head with a scream, he charged back the other way. And in a few moments, he was surrounded. Instantly, he recovered his monotonous limp and his evil expression. When he was driven into camp, he vented his rage by kicking in the ribs of a harmless little pack horse. They had reached bear country now, and Coley Bay himself had settled his fate by being caught by a trick. Now he was so wild they dared not even go near him. So two of the guides drove him toward a distant glen where bears abounded. Down the long trail to the west they drove him. There was no chance for him to turn aside. He must go on. The men behind him made sure of that. Farther away from his old home on the Bitterroot River, he had gone each time he journeyed. Now he had passed the high divide that leads to the Valley of Bears and on to Salmon River. And he limped sadly now, as though he knew. The men behind followed the glossy figure, like hangmen in the death caravan of a nobleman condemned. Down the narrow trail that it opened into a little beaver meadow with rich, rank grass, a mountain stream with winding bear paths up and down the waterside. There they stopped, letting Coley Bay go ahead. When he was out in the middle of the meadow, one of the men gave a short, sharp whistle. Instantly, Coley Bay was alert. He turned, noble head erect, nostrils flashing. A shot rang out. The great horse wheeled and dashed away. The marksman had missed. Away he went at his famous best, not homeward this time, but down the unknown western trail, trumpeting his defiance, swinging to the pine woods even as the guide tried to reload. And so he went till the dwindling pines gave place to scrub cedars, and these in turn were mixed with sage, and onward still to the faraway flat plains of the Salmon River about him, on and on tirelessly pounding through the canyon of the mighty Snake River, and up again to the high, wild plains where the fence is unknown, till moving specks on the far horizon caught his eager eyes. And he lifted up his voice and called to them the long, bugling neigh of his kindred. (laughs) when the night came down on the purpling plain, his place was with the wild herd, as one who after many a long journey in the dark, has found his home. Our first story by Ernest Thompson Seaton, the story of Coley Bay Outlaw. And you say that was a true story, Roger? Oh, yes. Mr. Seaton was himself a member of the party of bear hunters which bought Coley Bay for $10 for bait. Well, but now I see our time's up, so until tomorrow, so long. So long, Roger. We'll all be listening tomorrow, same time, same station, for another true story by Ernest Thompson Seaton on Mutual's Adventure Parade. Roger Elliott leads the Adventure Parade at this same time over many of these mutual stations every weekday afternoon, Monday through Friday. Be sure to listen for the world's most famous stories of action. Mystery. And Adventure on Adventure Parade. Roger Elliott is also your host at the House of Mystery, heard on most of these mutual stations each Sunday afternoon. Adventure Parade is produced and directed by Robert and Jessica Maxwell. Music is composed and played by John Garth. Ernest Thompson Seaton story for today was adapted for Adventure Parade by Anne Lorenz. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.